Are students going to be forced to take out longer leases and pay a lot more to secure a place to stay in college? Last month, one of the biggest private student landlords in the country increased the length of leases to 51 weeks, 10 extra weeks of rent. The Minister for Higher and Further Education, Simon Harris, told this programme he was unhappy. Now he plans to change the law. Simon Harris, good morning. Good morning, Gavin. What are you going to do? Well, a couple of things. I mean, firstly, as you rightly say, we we sat in this studio about three or four weeks ago when this issue emerged, and I've been working very closely with my colleague, the Minister for Housing, Darrell O'Brien, on this. I think there's two aspects to this. Firstly, people get planning permission on the basis of providing student accommodation. Um, And I think there's very legitimate issues that need to be considered by the planning authorities. Um, Indeed, I've even looked at specific conditions of planning that have been granted in relation to some of these, where clearly people have said, I'd like planning permission for student accommodation, and I intend to operate it in such in such a manner, including 40-week leases. So this week, I'll write to the planning authorities where such facilities are, asking that they consider uh, whether these facilities are operating in compliance with their planning. Secondly, myself and the Minister for Housing, and I want to thank Darrell O'Brien for this, now intend to amend the law to make it absolutely crystal clear that when student accommodation um, is granted uh, from a planning permission point of view, that the mandatory lease period would be confined to the current academic year. And of course, a student can extend it if they wish, but can't be compelled to. And Minister O'Brien and I intend to bring policy proposals to Cabinet uh, next month, which obviously starts, I think, tomorrow, uh, in relation to that matter. OK, just to be clear, I mean, I looked up one of the uh, the large uh, property uh, student landlords um, in question here. The cost for double, small double bedroom uh, with bathroom and shared kitchen to rent in Dublin, um, Total cost from 22nd of August, uh, uh, from the so from next August until the 22nd of August 2025, 16,000 euro for 13 square metres of space. But more importantly, it's not offering me an option beyond 51 weeks. Are you saying that that's going to stop? That, that if, when I go onto that website, I will now be offered... 40 weeks. Well, I think it's really important that your listeners know, regardless of what anybody puts on any website, student accommodation is covered by the Residential Tenancies Board and nobody can tell you what you can do. Well, I can't get 40 weeks on this. Well, nobody can tell you what you can do and this is important in terms of your notice period. So you can take out a lease today and you're still entitled to give notice. I think what students and parents, and I've heard this from them, are concerned about is that if they do give a notice period and then go back to take the accommodation out the following year, they won't be welcome. So what I intend to do... Are you going to stop companies from doing this? Yes, I mean, I'm... I, I can't get 40 weeks from these companies. I'm very, I'm very clear that Minister O'Brien and I want to change the law so that the law states that if you take out, if you get planning permission to provide student accommodation, that the mandatory lease period can only be the length of the academic year. But I'm also suggesting that in the interim, there are legitimate planning issues that need to be considered by the planning authority because student accommodation, I think, has a very clear understanding and indeed has a very clear understanding uh, within our planning law as well. So these are the two steps uh, that we will take. But this also highlights the real need to change the policy approach to student accommodation, to build more college-owned student accommodation, to be less reliant on the private market. And as your listeners will know, that's why we're now investing money in building, for example, college-owned accommodation in DCU, Maynooth and across the country. Okay, well, in the case of companies like this, and we're talking about 4,500 students at stake here, how will you make sure their rent doesn't go up anyway to cover their loss? Because they're covered by the rent pressure zones. Um, So it is important to to say that, that student accommodation is covered by rent pressure zones. There's often been a lobby by elements to change it. We've never done that. 
student accommodation is covered by the rent pressure zones. And in addition to that, and it's important parents know this, that we've now also, with Michael McGrath in the Finance Act, made sure that if you're a parent paying for your student's rent, your child's rent, you can now claim the renter's tax credit of €750 this year. And you can also backdate it for previous years. The front page of the Irish Times is carrying a report on a big increase in college dropout rates, citing data from the Higher Education Authority. 15% of students not going on to second year in 2022. Why in your view and what are you going to do about it? I think it's actually a really important piece of work that we're publishing today um, and it does it is very much in line with what we're seeing in other countries the UK, Australia, New Zealand as an example but what's most interesting to me today is not the percentage but actually the reasons because the student survey that is attached to the publication today shows that the number one reason people cited uh, was personal and family. Of course financial gets referenced and often does but personal and family and I think when I look back through this these are the students this is data from 21-22 these are the students who spent the last year or two of their school year at home, online, perhaps in the box room at the parents' house or at the kitchen table. And I think there's a real obligation on us as a society and as an education sector to say, how do we best support this generation, this COVID generation? So today there's a specific conference of the HEA bringing together all of the education partners to see what more can be done. There's also, um, as as people delve into the data, uh, very significant differences in terms of people doing level six, level seven, level eight. Um, So there's, there's quite a lot to learn from this. But we are seeing more people than ever before access third level education, more people than ever before graduate from third level education. Separately, the government here is going to help pay for more students to study medicine in Belfast at Queen's University. Will those students have to work south of the border after graduation? if they wish to avail of the fee offer that we're putting in place. So this is an announcement myself and the Health Minister, uh, Minister Stephen Donnelly, are making today. We've worked very closely on it. And this is about expanding medicine places across Ireland and across the island of Ireland. We've significantly done that. We added 60 extra medicine places in 22, 60 extra medicine places in 23. And now we want to bring extra capacity um, on board north of the border. We, we, the Irish government, are going to fund the creation of 25 additional medicine places in Queen's University Belfast this September, 25 more. The following September. And what we're basically saying is it costs more to do this. Your fees are higher in Northern Ireland. We will offer you the Republic of Ireland rate, if you like, if if you agree to do your internship year uh, with the HSE. Just the intern year. Just the intern year. But the problem isn't that intern year because there's a huge amount of Irish students in particular who are leaving after the intern year. You don't have a problem filling intern places. Nope. It's after intern year where the problem is. Absolutely, but, 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 but sorry, and that may well be the case, but what we're trying it to... It is the case. Well, and almost 90% of Irish students are leaving after the intern year. Sure, but there is an issue with intern places as well. So often, in making sure we have increased the number of internship places within the Irish Health Service is a good thing. Making sure that there's greater knowledge and awareness across the island of Ireland in terms of our health services are, is a good thing as well. Well, this, from my perspective, though, most importantly, is about increasing access to medicine education on the island of Ireland. It's not stopping them leaving, though, is it? Well, I think there's there's a whole range of strategies that the Minister for Health and others pursue around recruitment and retention. As a Minister for Further and Higher Education, my obligation is when I go into schools across the country and see young people wanting to study medicine and they say to me, I can get the best points possible in the leaving search and still not get a medicine place. That's what we've been working to fix. We saw medicine place points for medicine drop uh, for the first time in quite a number of years this September. And this is a further injection of extra 
extra college places. Minister of State Patrick O'Donovan, your colleague, says that the EU nature restoration laws, which we were talking about earlier on during the week and passed this week in the European Parliament, these are going to commit EU countries to restore a lot of their land to nature, which will involve re-wetting a lot of land too, is going to make it harder, he says, to protect properties at risk of flooding here. Now, your party's MEPs voted in favour of these laws. Patrick O'Donovan says he's disappointed at Fine Gael MEPs for backing the law. Do you agree with Patrick O'Donovan? I agree with the MEPs in relation to this. I think I think the nature law will in time be seen as a very historic moment. But I do think it is important that member states, including Ireland, will now use the provisions of that law um, to do exactly what it intends, which is for Ireland to put its own national plan in place. So what I'd say to my, my colleague and friend Patrick, is the law now the law now outlines that there is a window of time of two years for member states to actually say, well, what does this mean for Ireland? This is not Brussels saying you must do this or you must do that. What it's actually saying is the planet's on fire. There's a climate emergency here. Countries and the European Union need to take action. The nature law will now mandate member states to create their own national plan. And it's very specific that as part of that, we have to have a very significant consultation, engagement. We have to talk to farmers, we have to talk to everybody in society and to get this right. But I do think it's an important act of leadership uh, by the European Union and I think our Taoiseach uh, and Fine Gael MEPs have shown great leadership yes, but here, and Minister Malcolm. Y- yes, but here's, here, here's your party colleague, a Minister of State, a junior minister in your government, saying that the actions of your party's MEPs have made it more difficult, for example, to impo- to, to, uh, to, use, to, to make flood relief programmes possible in constituencies like his. Is he wrong? Well, I think what we'll have is a time now to tease through this detail because I think what I'd say to Patrick and I'd say to everybody, and and quite rightly, people will say, well, what does this mean? What I'd say to everyone is this legislation provides now the opportunity and the space for countries to put in place their own plan. This is not Europe mandating what your plan must be. Instead, it's member states, including Ireland, putting in place their own plan. Great work has been done by Patrick O'Donovan in relation to flood relief. I'm a former minister for the OPW. I know the importance of it. But I also know there's a climate emergency uh, and we have to get both of these things right. And there will now be space and time to do do that uh, through the national plans that will stem from the new nature law. Separately, uh, also on the front pages of newspapers this morning, the HSE has confirmed that uh, a senior executive of theirs is to get a uh, redundancy package of almost €400,000. What do you know about this? So I just learned about this in recent hours, but my my understanding, and I say it respectfully, is the way you sit, the way you worded that there may not be the case that the headline sum of money did not go in terms of all redundancy uh, or an exit payment. It is, of course, a matter for the HSE to clarify that. But my understanding from the comments from the HSE this morning is that there was a a lengthy legal process undertaken, um, and that there was a a payment made as a result of that. That that payment went through uh, all of the appropriate sanction process, including the Department of Public expenditure and reform uh, and the Department of Health and I'm sure and I think it would be useful for the HSE to provide uh, more clarity on that today. Uh, while we're talking about exit packages, I know the last time you were in these studios you said you were sick about talking about RTE but here we go. Catherine Martin told the doll that trust in RTE needs to be restored before a public funding model can be formally considered by your government. Uh, Emma O'Kelly, my colleague of the NUJ, says that RTE can't afford to wait that long. How long is this going to take? Well, the government position has been very clear. The government wants to settle the question in relation to a future funding model for RTE when? this side of the summer recess. I mean, this has been said by senior figures in government as recently as this week. There's no mystery here. But what would really help 
really help is if RT would pull back the curtain and let the public inside in terms of the rationale and logic behind some of the decisions. I don't want to know what somebody ate for their breakfast. I don't want anyone to breach the law. I don't want anyone to break legal confidential agreements. But what I do want is really simple. I want two things done. One, the law compels RT to do anyway, publish the aggregate sum of the exit payments made. That's a legal requirement on this organisation, but just do it quickly. And secondly, and possibly even more importantly, publish a methodology document. Let the public know the rationale and logic that RT management undertook when making certain payments. I think those two things would really, really help from the government's point of view um, and actions the government can take. I think the appointment of a new chair for the RT governing authority for a good person to be appointed quickly uh, would also be very helpful in terms of stabilising things. How quickly? I'd like to see it done next week if possible, but I do think more importantly than that is getting the right person. Um, This is an extremely challenging role um, that somebody will be taking on. Is there someone in mind? I'm not involved in that, but I understand that the discussions are underway and we would like to bring this to a conclusion quickly. Uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs saying this morning that it's investigating a potential cyber security incident involving its systems. Do you know anything about this? I do indeed. Um, so last night, the National Cyber Security Centre um, alerted the Department of Foreign Affairs to a potential a cybersecurity incident. Now, as of now, there is no evidence of any breaches of any ICT uh, systems. It's important to say that investigations are still ongoing, but it is right and proper that we're hyper vigilant um, in both the age times and energy geopolitical times in which we live. So uh, it's right and proper that the National Cybersecurity Centre is really vigilant in relation to this, and Ireland adopts, as, as all countries should, a hyper vigilant approach um, to any cyber attacks. Simon Harris, thank you for coming into us this morning.